Well, good morning to all of you at Bartow ARP Church. It's a pleasure to stand in this pulpit. 35 years I've been in the ARP Church. Grady didn't let me preach. John didn't let me preach. <laughs> but Tanner did. But is under uh, his oppression, and I'm so sorry that he's having to deal with that. And we will, I know, be fervently praying to God for a good outcome in this. Just a little background. Um, <clears throat> I'm not a... Now, Martha, I think, is full-time ARP. I came in a little late. My wife and Martha were in school together. Uh, anybody that would know me knows me through Marianne, my wife, I'm sure, the uh, women's stuff that she's been in. But uh, I have been on ARP for over 35 years and uh, preached in many places, Virginia, ten, uh, Arkansas, North Carolina, Florida. I was at Lake Placid, ordained there. So uh, I've got um, an adopted ARP. And uh, thanks to Bill Kirkendall and some of the other people that money you wouldn't know, but I do, thankfully, and some have gone on to heaven. But it's just a privilege to be in a denomination that is holding firm to the word of God, period. There are not many, and you are blessed to be in this church. So with that, I, if you've got your bulletin and you um, have a pen, <laughs> when I was asked to preach, um, I said, well, Tanner, what are you going to preach on? He told me, and I said, oh, that's okay, I'll do that. And then time went on, and I looked at that, and I said, wait, this is Thanksgiving. I'm not going to be able to pull this one out. So I changed it. So the title of this sermon is God's Will for You, Not Morton to Manure. That was challenging. That's the reason why I took it. But it's, uh, I think Tanner will be able to preach that one at another time. So knowing that... The scripture is coming from 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. No, yeah. You know what? Let me look at something. I preached this morning at, uh, at, at another church, by the way, down there. And, uh, and I'm surprised that I even got to preach here because it's a, uh, a 9 o'clock service and I, it's in Avon Park and I get out close to 10 and then I have to get here. So um, so I had their, their bulletin. That's what I was looking at. I don't know where yours is right now. Here it is. So, <laughs> so in that section where it was going to be Luke, it's going to be 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. But before I launch into this word of God, let us pray. Almighty, eternal, Gracious Father of mercy and justice, we confess to you that your sovereign plan for this world is unfolding right before our eyes. Open the eyes of your people that they would see your majesty and your victory over their sin and the evil that has grown bold and violent in our own land. O oh, Father, impute your spirit of holiness upon us Give us understanding, unwavering courage, fearlessly to move about 
in your world, speaking the truth of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, to every person, to all people? And would you release those people that we would speak to and minister to from their sin, from their drag that's upon them, and from us, take away our timidity, our fearful mindset, our willingness to sort of take a back seat when we need to be forward. Take us by your gracious word of life to testify of your divine grace, your love for your church. Break down every wall, every stronghold that has paralyzed us and kept us from being the light and salt so desperately needed in this world. So open our ears to hear, our minds to understand, our spirits to receive your gracious command, and that we would obey with love to be your faithful servant forever. Forgive us when we have failed. Thank you that you do that. Remind us that the battle is yours. It's going to be won by you. So fill our mind with the wonder of being forgiven of our sins by the perfect life Jesus lived for the gift of eternal life that he gave to us by his perfect life, his death, his resurrection. Oh, our God, oh, our God, we are sailed by demonic and evil forces every day. Our children are being snatched away. There's a world of just madness, evil beyond our imagination. But thank you, thank you, thank you that their doom has come by the word of your power. Raise up for us your banner, the banner of the cross. Arm us to storm the spirit prison that is holding your people captive. Give us a heart of ministry, of compassion, and build us up only to bring you honor and glory. May you give everyone here this morning the full armor of God. May it be your purpose for them to put it on, that they would be dressed and ready and effective. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You know what? I'm going to have some water. Thank you. That's a good. Thank you for that. You know, it's been said that the holidays are one of the most loneliest times of the year. There are more people admitted to the hospital emergency rooms during the holidays than most times. Counselors are swamped. Telephone calls coming in because there's oftentimes loneliness, sadness, anxiety connected to lots of things. And all those things that happen are real. People hurt. People get lonely. But God has an answer for that. He has an answer for our loneliness, for our anxieties. 
and it comes across loud and clear. You're going to hear it this morning when I read his word. It's God's will for you. That's an amazing thing, isn't it? Do you ever think, well, what is God's will? Well, it's going to sound simplistic maybe, but the complexities of God and how he works out his will in the lives of his people is really beyond our understanding. He's given us his written word to guide us, to teach us, to trust in him so that any problem, any situation we may face is sure, sure to be taken care of by God Almighty. We serve a God that's thrown the universes into existence and maintains them. You hadn't gotten white out yet here. I'm sure you can still go into your yard somewhere and look up into the heavens and see those stars just kind of hanging down and as far as you can see. And you think, that is just magnificent. Indeed, the heavens do declare the glory of God. As we consider this coming day of Thanksgiving, I would pray that our attention would be given to God and to his word so that we, if not already, will begin to be thankful for all the things of this life. It is an amazing thing that we can name many things that we're thankful for. And as you think about those things that you're thankful for, I mean, even as a little child, they can think in their own way something to be thankful for. I would think that Thanksgiving Day is certainly one of our nation's most sacred holidays in a way. It's not a, more or less a religious holiday, although the churches should think so. It was founded upon the supreme power of God, and by his divine providence, he formed this nation out of a mere handful of sojourners from Europe. We have a history. When the pilgrims first arrived in New England, they needed shelter, they needed food, they needed supplies, and they were trying to survive. And they did survive because it was God's plan for them to survive. And they did it in a most amazing way. You can't speak of this nation being formed, coming together without seeing God's hand of providence everywhere, his sovereign hand on everything. You probably know this, this history, but there's a tribe of Native Americans who were called the Patuxent. They were fierce. They were, no one is going to win with them. Certainly not some sojourners coming in off of a ship. But before they got there, there was um, a raid from some people that had gotten, and they were ca- a person was captured and taken to England and was educated there, and he came back. And when he got back, he, fa- he was of this tribe of the Patuxent. And when he got back, they weren't there. They were gone, wiped out, 
A plague took him out. Only he was there. And so they landed. They needed things. And there was this Native American could speak their language, helped them. And you know this person by the name of Squanto. You can, only a fool could not see this, of God orchestrating this, this coming to this great nation that we are in right now that's not so great. But they survived because of that Native American. William Bradford wrote in detail about the hardships, the sorrows that they were enduring in his history of the Plymouth Plantation. And he said these words, and I quote to you, But these things did not dismay them, although they did sometimes trouble them, for their desires were set on the ways of God, and to enjoy his ordinances, they rested on his providence and knew whom they believed. You see, that's, that's the beginning of our, of our move towards some things. See, the pilgrims survived that first winter, and in the fall of the next year, they had a feast. It's now called Thanksgiving. And from that time on, there was some movement of that. And it was not really until President George Washington that there was a yearly observance of Thanksgiving. It was not in law or anything, but it was done. And things happened. And, but in uh, December 26, 1941, Congress made Thanksgiving a yearly federal legal holiday. And so this Thursday is going to be that legal holiday. It's the fourth Thursday. That's what it was written into the laws over. So the prosperity of our nation is only because of God. Not the people. We have unparalleled prosperity from the beginning of history to now, there has been no nation that has done what we have done. I don't know if you got to see that spacecraft go off with 100 million zillion pounds of thrust. I mean, this is it's phenomenal. That's just that. But the prosperity that, we, that I'm talking about was unparalleled. And I would say, except for King Solomon, I don't think there's ever been anyone quite as opulent <laughs> as he was. Which leads me to say that our poorest uneducated person in the United States of America has the freedom, the opportunity, and the possibility, God willing, to be a valuable part of this society. That's our country. This is what we have here. So, indeed, we have much to be thankful about, particularly as we now consider this coming Thanksgiving Day. May this Thanksgiving be the superlative for you. May this be the one that's really going to capture you, that this is going to be the time in which it's not just the, the turkey and the dressing and the cranberry sauce and the gathering together and watching football games. Although I think that can be done. But there's got to be a more basic foundation for us as Christians, as believers. And with that in mind,
Let's look at the scripture now. Very simply, from Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, this is the word of God. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Thanksgiving Day and every day and all the meaning that's contained in those three verses covers it. I don't know if I know there are other scriptures, but this encapsulates the Christian life. This encapsulates what we as believers know for sure is the will of God. He's telling you right there. The Greek meaning in this first thing of rejoice is it means to be calmly happy. That sort of fits the ARPs, I think. We can be joyous and not get overly excited about our emotions. It's what brings about reverent worship, people. God is a God of reverence and holiness and awe. It's kind of hard to do that when you're wrapped up in your emotions and getting all that. But when you're thinking about him and how he has blessed us, we can calmly be happy. In other words, we don't have to be ecstatic to have joy. But not all people are joyful. Truly, it's real when you have to face what Jennifer's having to face and Tanner. This is hard. This is hard. This is an unpleasant and a terrible thing to have to deal with in, in your church and in his life. How do you get rejoicing out of this? It doesn't seem like you can, but God's telling us to rejoice at all times. People are going to have hardship. They're going to have pain. See, that's what the first Thanksgiving was really about. They were thankful, one, that they survived the winter. Two, they were thankful for all the provisions they had. But more than that, they already were thankful. They had a foundation of thanks. Remember, they were leaving religious, religious persecution, escaping that. So I know that some, regardless of where you want to put it, it can be from divorce, it can be from, I mean, you can put any, any negative thing, an unpleasant thing in your own life of what you may be having to do or what you are involved in right now. It may sound rather strange for God to command us to rejoice. But people, there isn't an alternative. Not if you are going to take seriously what God's will is for you. So if it seems difficult to rejoice amid trouble, sorrow, and uncertainty, we can skip that for a moment and think about this. Proverbs 23.7 says, For as he thinks in his heart, 
so is he. See, God gave us a mind. He gave us a will. Within his parameters, we use that. God is saying, if you want to think negatively, if you want to be enmeshed in your own self-sorrow and not look to me, the author and the finisher of your faith, then that's where you'll be. And it won't, you're not going to be rejoicing. But if we really think on the promises of God's word, even when things are going wrong, we can find a reason to rejoice. We can. You can. I can. But sometimes it takes somebody to tell us that. An interesting thing happened on the way to the forum. So I changed the sermon. You changed the bulletin. You put what God wanted in this bulletin for my sermon. Rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone, for the Lord is at hand, and don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. You've got it right there. You took my sermon away from me. You put it right there. It's in Romans, the 12th chapter. Turn over to Romans if you want to. Romans 12. He says, um, Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and needs and persecutions and distresses. For Christ's sake, when I am weak, then I am strong. It's not the normal way of living. And it's not the way to normally think. So rejoicing may not change the situation, but it will change your attitude. I can promise that. And if your attitude changes, then you become receptive to the Spirit's moving in your life to where you begin to weep with those who weep, rejoice with those who rejoice. Since this is uh, an ARP church, you hear it all the time, but I think this is applicable to our topic today. Westminster Catechism, first question says, what is the chief end of man? Everybody knows the answer to that, of course, to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Enjoy is like rejoice. Rejoice forever. It was no accident that God put in here right after rejoice and to rejoice at all times that we then are also to pray. And not just pray. He put this in it. Pray without ceasing. I think probably, I'm going to just venture. Most of you probably do that. 
You probably got some Bible verses hanging around in your kitchen or on your doors, refrigerated doors or something. You've probably got something maybe even in your car. But you, you've got something that's reminding you of this God that you serve, this God that loves you so much that he gave his life for you, that he died for you, that he continues to uplift and strengthen you. Yeah. Praying without ceasing. And you've got really another opportunity to do that again. For many of the people that are on this list, I don't know about you, but my prayer list is so long that I have to shorten and say, Lord, okay, please take care of all those I know and love. I have to just jump lump it in one big lump there sometimes because I can't keep, because if you verbally are praying without ceasing, you're never going to do anything. He's talking about a mindset, a spirit of always doing that. Not 24-7, not 60 seconds in the hour, in the minute, it's, it's, the, it's just the mindset that always be thankful to God, rejoicing, and then praying that. And there's only one way that you're going to do that, and that's if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, which brings another topic that I'll just touch on, and that is, have you been baptized by the Holy Spirit? Do you really know who the Holy Spirit is? Do you realize that he is the one that's working and moving in your life so that you have the courage, the power, the strength, the ability to do what God is requesting you to do. So we must have him. He is the one, the only one, who will move in your heart and mind and spirit to rejoice and pray. And he is the one that Jesus sent to be our comforter. And the one who constantly prays for us For even when you know not what to pray, he says, he utters up with groanings, prayers to God. Wonderful to know that we are not on our own, lost, without hope. He constantly brings to our memories, or should, how much we're loved by Jesus. If you know that you're loved by the Lord Jesus Christ... There is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So if you know that you're under Christ and you know that whatever is going to be happening is done by the sovereign hand of God, then what have we to really not pray about and rejoice over? That gospel song, and I don't know, I don't think it's in the Trinity hymnal. Maybe it is. Take it to the Lord in prayer. I know you know that. Why are we overburdened? Why are we heavy laden? Take it to the Lord in prayer. You know, if your friends forsake you, take it to the Lord in prayer. The, the people that wrote that understood that God is the one who's going to deliver us out of our own weaknesses. Because when it seems like the whole world is upon us or we're overwhelmed with trouble, all we need to remember, and this is really all, that Jesus died We've been inoculated to the gospel, I'm afraid, as Christians. We really lose sight of that basic truth, that very basic foundation of that Jesus, and, and I know you've heard it said many ways and many times. It's not that we don't hear what 
that Jesus died for us. It's what is happening in our spirit when we think of that. Is it just, okay, or is it something that wells up in us and, and we are driven to pay prayer? We are forced to rejoice in whatever circumstance we're in. That thought alone should encourage us to pray. And when we begin to pray, we're going to give thanks. That's, that's the, the last issue. When you start praying, you're going to be giving thanks because you're going to pray prayers of thanksgiving. There's a, um, a little acronym. It's A-C-T and then S-I-C added to it. It's just a way to look at that. That you have adoration, you have confession, you have thanksgiving, you have supplication, you have intercession, and you have adoration, glorification, whatever else you want to put there to give God glory. So when you think about this, if our minds are rejoicing and we pray, then it follows that we're going to give thanks to God. And then there's no time for us to be feeling sorry for ourselves or having the issues. It may not take away the, the, um, the creditor because you've maxed out your credit cards or the fact that you're in a messy divorce or that your child died or you've been told you've got cancer. I mean, those are real and you're going to feel that. But in that all, God, God's will for you at all times is to do these three things. And doing these th three things, are not it's not a formula. It's a living out your faith. Our founding fathers knew that. They knew what it meant to pray. The pilgrims, they've got some of the greatest prayers that's ever been prayed. It's a lot of it is they, they, they spend a lot of time in confessing that they're sinful, that they don't deserve God's grace and mercy, but he pours it upon them anyway. There's, there's always that. We've kind of lost that. We kind of expect it to be the other way. They prayed for God to sustain them that first winter and onward, and he answered their prayer. So what is Thanksgiving? Thanksgiving should not be this just one day of a celebration, but a season for us as Christians. Every day we should be thinking of this. If you wanted to, to put something on the refrigerator, these three things are the way you do it. That covers it all. But if But that's not all. You who regularly worship each week, you're already doing this. You're already coming in. Your, your, your order of worship covers it. That's why you have this. It, it gives you a guide upon which to not just say things, but to actually immerse yourself into this experience we call worship. And it is worship. So, fellow Christians, I just want to tell you, 
It's not just possible for us to rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks. It is certain. It is a certain truth and fact because it is God's will for his people. The question is, can you go outside God's will? That's, I'll leave that rhetorical and I'll answer it. No, you cannot go outside God's will. If you think you're outside God's will, you better be on your knees real quick and saying, God, please bring me back now. <laughs> because you're not outside it. You're there because he's placed you there. So it's not just possible, it's certain. And this, now I hope you as a congregation, I believe you as a congregation, all of you, all of you, even your little children because they're being instructed here, you're growing in godly wisdom, you're building up your trust in God's grand good providence because you do, I believe, read and study the scriptures. I have every every reason to believe that you are. You've had great pastors here and you've been taught well. You, you have at least all the information. Now the Holy Spirit's the one that's got to move in each of your lives so that you're uh, not just a repository for knowledge, but a living, breathing being that's giving glory to God, which is your chief aim. For whatever you do in word or deed, you do it as unto the Lord Jesus. Easy to say, not always easy to do, I know. But you think about it. Think about God's providence for you as you study the word. Think about the joy and the peace that you have because it's promised by Christ grace and mercy for every situation. Think that every stripe that was put on him was done for your benefit. Think about the blessings that you've been given, even up to this very moment of being able to come into this sanctuary and to worship the living God, to sing praises, to confess your sins, to do all the things that bring you closer to the living Lord Jesus. And that's why the scripture says the joy of the Lord is our strength. Once again, we have that word joy, rejoicing. For the joy comes to those whose minds think about him and think about his goodness. And apart from that, if we go down that path on our own through whatever the world has taken at the moment to say this is what's best for you, we will be failing If I tell you this, will you believe it? Jesus says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. How can we stay sad, worried, anxious, bothered, angry, unforgiving, anything that's opposite to what God says we are to be? How can we do that when we know that we always have him? One of our missionaries who got put into prison in Iran, uh, 
not Iran, in uh, Turkey. Lost a lot of uh, faith sometimes. It was a hard time for that person. They didn't think they were going to live, had given up hope. There was lots of things that happened, and it was real. It was how do you take these little phrases that I'm talking about now and put it into reality when you're under that type of oppression, when you're in that type of physical danger. How do you do that? And he found it almost impossible to do. And yet, God in his providence delivered him. He took him out of there. He heard the prayers of his people. I'm sure this church prayed. I know ours did. God is faithful. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And even his disciples knew that truth. They knew about prayer. They said, Lord, teach us to pray. Yes, God is not only telling us this. He says, yes, you pray. You rejoice. And think about that. It's like a circle. Once you begin to pray, you'll rejoice. You'll give thanks. If you give thanks, you'll begin to pray. And I mean, it doesn't matter which one you're going to choose. It's going to end up with those three. Isn't that amazing? God uses these try things, it seems, in the Bible. Threes of this and threes of that. And there's another three for you. Rejoice, pray, and give thanks. And I tell you, if you begin with that, your life is going to change. This is a day that's going to change your life if you needed it changing. If not, it's just going to reinvigorate you and re-energize you to know that what we're doing is not for our sake, but for the glory of God. You see, that's what all this is about. It's not just to get us out of a turmoil. It's to get us moving towards trusting in him, trusting in him, always trusting in him. I'd end uh, with you on a Psalm 33 as we think about this coming Thanksgiving and how we can Psalm 33, verse 10 through 12. Again, this is God's word to us. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He makes the plans of the peoples of no effect. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. And here's our thanksgiving. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he has chosen as his own inheritance. There's your predestination right there. If you've been chosen, you will rejoice. You will pray. You will give thanks. Let us pray. Oh God, your word is true, steadfast. It is to draw us closer to you, and I pray, oh God, that these dear ones, as they are going to be facing some issues in their own lives and in the life of this church, that they will be a church of rejoicing, of prayer, and thanksgiving to you, oh God, for this is your will for them. May they now take it. May I take it. May all our churches throughout the world who are truly yours stand now for that. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.